0: Welcome to On DoD on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jared Serbu. And glad you're with us this week. The Defense Department is now on to its fourth year of full-scale financial audits. And the audit results in the first three years don't offer a huge amount of hope that DoD is going to pass an audit anytime soon. In the latest audit, finished and reported late last year, auditors found that DOD and the military services had managed to deal with and close out 857 negative findings from previous years. But auditors also found even more new issues, and there are more than 3,500 of those findings, what auditors call NFRs, still outstanding. DOD actually has more outstanding NFRs now than it did a year ago. But there are some signs of forward momentum, if you know where to look, and our guest this week certainly does. Carmen Malone is the Deputy Assistant DOD Inspector General for Audit. The OIG, by the way, is just out with its annual plain language breakdown of the audit results. We'll post a link to that at federalnewsnetwork.com slash on DOD. For now, though, Carmen is with us for the full hour to talk through some of the takeaways in that report. So, Carmen, let me just start at a very, very high level. There's, you know, you repeat the phrase in this report that a lot of things were unchanged compared to last year. When you look at the big picture across the the whole DOD audit for 2020, where do you see evidence of improvement, evidence of change? What are your main takeaways for this year?
1: So I think the main takeaway is that progress was made and there's still a lot of progress that needs to be made. Um, again, that hasn't really changed from last year. Let's start with the progress. And mm-hmm. I think what we can really start with is the big thing is those that had clean opinions or unqualified opinions actually maintained those. And that's not an easy um, thing to do. So, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that because the next thing I wanna mention is the biggest progress we saw was the DISA Working Capital Fund moved from a fiscal year 19 disclaimer of opinion, meaning the auditors uh, didn't have enough evidence to conclude to a fiscal year 20 clean opinion and that's that's a really big jump and you know something that DISA should be very proud of um the other thing that we saw was material weaknesses um within the dod as well as some of the components were either eliminated or downgraded to significant deficiencies which in is less than a material weakness so those are some really key signs of progress there
0: yeah, we'll, we'll dig into some of those more discrete issues as, as we go here. I, I must say, when I, when I first saw the report that, that you guys issued for 2020 back in November, my untrained eyes went straight to numbers of NFRs, Notices of Finding Recommendation, and numbers of material weaknesses, both of which grew in 2020. Closed a lot of NFRs, but added more new NFRs and, and maintained a lot from the previous year. So... You know, again, my untrained non-auditor's eye looks at those numbers and it looks like DOD is on a treadmill that's moving faster than it can move through this process. Is that the wrong way to look at this or is this, you know, are we going to continue ad infinitum finding more problems than we're able to solve in a rapid fashion?
1: So I think the important thing is there is definitely a glimmer of hope when you dig into the numbers. You know, while the NFR numbers, those are notices of findings and recommendations, Those increased year over year since fiscal year 18, the new number of NFRs that we're finding each year has actually decreased. So in 2018, we found about 1,600 new NFRs. In 2019, it was about 1,500 NFRs. And then we were below 1,000 new NFRs this past year. So that's showing glimmers of hope. In addition, when you're looking at material weaknesses, While the number increased this year for the DOD overall, we actually presented um, a prior year uh, material weakness as as four material weaknesses in fiscal year 20 and one significant deficiency. So while we increased, it was due to the granular level that we presented the material weaknesses at in fiscal year 20 compared to prior years. In fact, the DOD actually downgraded two material weaknesses um, from fiscal year 19, showing progress in that way. So yes, there is um, that ever growing number of NFRs, but a lot of the findings that we have will take time to remediate and make sure that they have the sustainable processes um, in place so we can keep those opinions as we move forward. And and I think that that's important to note is sustainable processes do take time to build. And that is much better than putting in a quick fix to get an opinion or to cause NFRs or material weaknesses to go down.
0: Glad you raised that point because I was just about to go there. Um, Is there any way to measure the extent to which the NFRs that are getting closed are being done in a sustainable way? versus just a one-time manual workaround that whoever's working in that office next year may not remember how to do?
1: You know, there is. And that's one of the things that I think as we're progressing through this, we're seeing that's the reason we have additional new NFRs. Those first year NFRs were a lot of, you don't have written processes in place. And so now we're seeing to clear those NFRs they're putting those written processes in place. And that way it's not just, oh, we're gonna do it this way for this year and nobody, the next person coming in doesn't have guidance to kind of help them along the way. So that's important that things are written out and it can be easily handed to the next person in line for that job. In addition, one of the things that we do as auditors um, prior to implementing um, some of the corrective action plans that the department has is many of the components will ask the auditors to look at this is what we want to do. Do you think it will address the concern? And one of the things we're seeing is that for those components that are asking their auditors before they even implement whether the design of what they want to do would address the problem, we're seeing the implementation of those actually correcting problems compared to if a component just goes and says, okay, this is the problem, this is how we're going to fix it, we're going to implement it, done, sometimes that's not actually addressing the real problem. And so when they're working with their auditors to really understand what the findings are, we're seeing a, a lot more well-designed, sustainable processes in place.
0: Um, go, going back to another thing you mentioned, some of these new material weaknesses for, I, I believe, are are as you said just because you broke apart what had previously been identified in prior year audits as a single material weakness can you can you talk about the decision making process behind that and why this year's first of all what they are and, and why they were broken out separately this year
1: yeah so as we discussed in the report we did present the fiscal year 19 financial management systems and information technology material weakness at a more granular level and the reason we did that is when we looked at that material weakness it covered a great deal of um, problems, anywhere from access controls to security controls to segregation of duties. And when we looked at it this year, we saw that there were pieces of that material weakness that that were going to be solved faster than others. And so to help the department really wrap its hands around the IT piece, we felt if we broke that out into the the smaller pieces it's going to help them focus and so just this year we were actually able to see a piece of that move down into a significant deficiency showing that they've already made progress um, on at least one aspect of that and that was their risk management framework so you know now we still now we have legacy systems configuration management and security management access controls and segregation of duties left at that material weakness level and they're kind of taking on each of those individually so they can close those out faster
0: of those i mean you mentioned rmf you've, you've seen some progress there which 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 of those four does the department seem to be closer to resolving than than the others
1: i think i think they're focusing a lot on access controls because that is um <laughs> extremely important to their cyber security as well um and and segregation of duties goes right along with that. So the legacy systems, we've we've got a long way to go on that. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about IT as we get into this, but legacy systems will be a key to getting the department to the clean opinion that they're after.
0: Actually let's go there. Let's 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 start on legacy systems a little bit there. And I might have asked you this last year. I can't frankly remember, but it is something that always strikes me just that the, the department has spent literally billions of dollars over more than a decade to implement modern enterprise resource planning systems, or at least purchase them. How are we still in 2021 reliant on, on legacy systems that these things were supposed to have replaced long ago? I mean, is it that the systems exist, but they're just not being fully utilized? Is there still more purchasing and implementation to do, or is it just too hard to make broad brush statements like that?
1: I think it's very difficult to make broad brush statements like that. It really focuses in on the fact that DoD has two. They've identified 250 systems that are relevant to financial statements. Um, I don't want to say that that's all there are because you know we're still digging into the systems. But everything starts with a system. Um, ordering. It, there's just nothing that doesn't involve a system. We're, we're past the manual labor piece of this, and the problem is that many of the systems that are still in place, those legacy systems we talk about, were put in in place long before even the requirement for audit. And when we look at that, it's very difficult to just move everything over to a modernized system. Um, You have data elements, which are just, uh, it's a piece of of a transaction that don't necessarily fit into the new system. And as we're, you know, purchasing these modernized systems, it's difficult to find that one DOD way of doing business that's going to fit in a system. So the Navy has its way of recording transactions. The Army has its way. And so it's it's getting them all to play nice together and come up with that one DOD way of recording the transactions, having one system to do it in one way. Because when you start combining the Navy's way of doing things, the Army's way of doing things, and the Air Force's way of doing things, it's not as easy as if everyone were doing it the same way.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's not just a problem for coming up with consolidated financial statements. It's also a a huge issue when you're trying to reconcile Inter-service transactions, because if you're if you're recording things differently, they've got to be reconciled together at some point, and I think that usually falls to DFAS, where they're they just got to decide which one is right, basically, or which one to deem to be right.
1: Absolutely, and that's one of the material weaknesses that we have. Um, we don't discuss it in depth in the report, but intergovernmental and interdepartmental transactions um, are, are very difficult to reconcile and it and it oftentimes causes what we like to what we refer to as unsupported journal vouchers meaning that there's no support behind why they did what they did. Um, it's It's a heavy lift and it takes a lot of manpower and as components get closer if we're not able to easily reconcile these items, I'm not sure that DFAS will have the manpower or the ability to get through the number of reconciliations and and really support which one they go with um, in time to issue financial statements.
0: Carmen Malone is Deputy Assistant Inspector General for Audit at the DOD Inspector General's office. We'll come back and talk more about the new report, Understanding the Results of the Audit of the DOD 2020 Financial Statements, after one quick break here. This is On DOD on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Serbu. Back on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is on DOD. I'm Jared Serbu, talking with Carmen Malone, the Deputy Assistant DOD Inspector General for Audit. We're discussing the OIG's new report summarizing the results of DOD's 2020 financial audit. I want to dig into to IT issues a little more here? That there's such a significant part of of the audit. So, in 2020, had 3,559 total notices of findings and recommendations. Of those, 1,093 were reissued IT-specific NFRs and 393 new IT NFRs. And, and I raise all the numbers just to, to try and get us into a conversation about how how far could the department go just by, just by resolving all of these IT issues? And are they strictly IT issues, or does fixing the IT problems also get you toward closing out some of the quote-unquote financial related NFRs.
1: So when you think of auditing a system we always like to start with the reliability of the of the system and the underlying data and so when we do that we start with what we call general information technology controls and those are your access controls your security management controls your segregation of duties Um, Basically, these allow the auditors to see that the system is secure, that only authorized users have access, and they only have access to what they need access to. If those controls fail, it's sometimes a concern that the data changes um, or could change. And we saw a perfect example of this at the very end of fiscal year 19, where we saw one control fail in a system that caused millions of records to be duplicated. Um, it we were very lucky that the error was caught and fixed um, rather quickly and it didn't actually impact any of the um, financial statements um, and the opinions so but it did require a lot more testing of the components management as well as the auditors just to validate the accuracy of the data now those general information technology controls That's where we're seeing a lot of the NFRs and a lot of the closed NFRs. But as we move forward and we're digging deeper into the IT controls, we're moving past just the top system controls, but really getting into those applications that that reside on the systems. And those are the controls that are really going to be important from the financial statement aspect of Did it process correctly? Was the information transferred correctly? Were there application controls to ensure that we transferred all of the records from one system over to the financial reporting system? And and those are the controls that we're starting to get into and that you're really seeing a lot of new NFRs for.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say, so probably fair to expect as you dig deeper into that application layer that we're gonna to continue to have a lot of new IT NFRs for some some number of years.
1: Yeah, and, and that's, not, that's not unheard of. And as they change applications or implement new systems, we anticipate that there will be NFRs related to those, but as long as they're working to fix them quickly um, and, and modernizing the systems, that that's going to be key to building those strong, sustainable business processes that will lead them to the clean opinion.
0: And and, and I guess to uh, put put a you know a, a happy gloss on this, even if the the number of NFRs issued and reissued each year is is still at the moment outpacing what's being closed, each one of those closed really is a solved problem that probably wouldn't have been solved without the audit process, and that probably matters to DoD's underlying business operations and efficiency. Is that is that a fair way to think about it?
1: That is a fair way to think about it. And we're also seeing the DOD actually look at if they have a problem in one area, does it exist in other areas? And we've seen some, you know, good pro- good progress related to that, um, especially in the information technologies uh, arena. So when we look at some of the smaller entities, we don't necessarily get into each smaller entity systems. We may test one or two of the smaller entities and let everyone know what the findings were so they can implement any corrective actions across the department and not just in one.
0: And this also kind of gets us back to one of the points that you made earlier in the conversation which is that, you know, once once you have achieved something in the audit world, it's it's not a guarantee that you're going to you're going to stay there forever, and that that gets us to the the DISA issue and their working capital fund opinion for 2020. As you said, they went from the they went from a disclaimer of opinion in 19 to a clean opinion in 2020. But but they had previously had a clean opinion on that same working capital fund back in 2016, and then they went backwards. How common is that? How does that sort of thing happen? And how much of a danger is it for for the broader department as they? go through this process and and make improvements along the way?
1: You know, I'm really glad that you brought this up because it is a healthy reminder that achieving a clean opinion is only the first step. It's easy to throw as many resources as you want at a component and help achieve that clean opinion. Um, However, maintaining the opinion is so much tougher than um, it, it really looks. It does require having those sustainable business processes and continued improvement on the internal controls. Just looking at DISA working capital fund, trying to get that over the finish line of fiscal year 20, it took a lot of manpower from DISA and DFAS personnel to make sure that we had all the necessary documentation, all of the transactions were were available. Um, and even then it took a little bit longer than um what we would we would like to see. We like to see financial statements um, by November 15th at the latest, and that opinion wasn't issued until December. It, It took about another month to make sure that we were able to get there. So the question becomes, and what we will definitely be looking for in fiscal year 21, is did they establish the processes to where they're repeatable and sustainable to keep that opinion in fiscal year 21? So as we get more components, Closer. Um, it's not going to be sustainable if DFAST personnel has to really put in all as much as many hours as they had to to support the DISA opinion. They won't be able to, to do that for the others as well. So it, it's getting the repeat processes in place that they can use.
0: One example of, of an area that has had a clean opinion for as long as I can remember is the Army Corps of Engineers civil works. They they have had an unmodified opinion since I started covering this stuff, I think 10 years ago or so, and and they've never backslid. Is it just that they're it's such a different animal than the rest of the the DOD entities or are they genuinely doing something right that others could follow?
1: You know, they are a little bit different. Um they do not use DFAS as their accounting so it when it comes to having to support uh, uh, many other components it, it's just not theirs so um the army Corps of engineers has its own accounting function they they kind of keep everything in house and that has helped them but it also you know it's a reminder that they didn't get that clean opinion overnight um it did take some time and it took a lot of in building of those internal controls and business processes. And even as you look at the Army Corps of Engineers, they still have notices of findings and recommendations. They still have material weaknesses, but they're able to overcome those with other controls um, and other processes to make sure that those financial statements are accurate.
0: That, that's such an important point. I'm glad you brought it up. There will be a point, hopefully, where, where DOD has unmodified financial unmodified opinions on its overall financial statements but that that doesn't require getting to zero on the nfrs and material weaknesses is what i hear you saying
1: absolutely we we have a lot of clean opinions that still have um notices of findings and recommendations they still have material weaknesses so that's something to keep in mind as as we continue to look at this um from a numbers perspective. It's not necessary to get everything down to zero. You can achieve a clean opinion while still having deficiencies in your, um, in your internal controls and business processes.
0: What's that threshold for an auditor? Is there any way to characterize it where where an auditor can, can look at a financial statement and say, you're definitely not perfect, but this is good enough for me to trust it at a level where I say that, that, you know, I'm going to give you an unmodified opinion.
1: That all comes down to uh, what auditors, you know, call materiality. And that is, you know, what is acceptable? And it's always going to depend, you know, there's a nice, easy mathematical formula to calculate materiality, but it's not always that simple. Um, There's also an issue of the qualitative factors. Um, And, you know, when I think about that, if, if we were to look and say that a major's weapon system was not included in the financial statements, even if it was only, you know, 1% of DOD's entire budget, I think most people would still consider that a problem. Um, and so that that would be one that the mathematical equation sounds great, but we have to look at that. We have to look at it and say, would somebody really care? Uh, and that really comes down to auditor judgment a lot of times and it's not always as black and white so to say yeah we're going to get down to two material weaknesses and that's going to be it 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 would be if we got down to just the joint strike fighter material weakness I can't say that we wouldn't still be sitting there saying um we probably still have an issue here
0: talking with Carmen Malone, the Deputy Assistant DOD Inspector General for Audit. We'll come back and talk more about DOD's 2020 financial audit in just a few minutes. This is On DOD on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Surveyor. Thanks for listening to Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is On DoD. I'm Jared Serbu. We are talking with Carmen Malone, the Deputy Assistant DoD Inspector General for Audit, about DoD's latest financial audit. Those results are summarized in a new report from the DoD OIG, Understanding the 2020 Financial Statements. It's a plain language explanation of what some of the findings were. I'm um, switching gears a little bit to the the corrective action plans that DOD develops for all of these notices of findings and recommendations. We haven't talked much about that yet, at least this year. Um, how how are they doing with those? The, the the department got I think a fair amount of praise in the first couple years for creating this centralized database where they could track each one of the NFRs, assign an accountable official to make sure that they did get fixed. How how is that? system of accountability working and how are the corrective action plans working in 2020?
1: You know, the the short answer is that they are still tracking them um, and that management is still being held accountable from the OSD um, level. Obviously, we have a, a huge change in leadership this year. So, seeing how the the incoming um, leadership within the department handles the financial statements and and just overall oversight of how the components are doing remains to be seen. But you know we have some indication that we're we're going to just continue. They're going to continue looking at it the same way. And so one of the things that I think was important in the past year was that the prior Deputy Secretary of Defense, Secretary Norquist, had each of the components draw a roadmap on not just corrective action plans, but these are the material weaknesses we want to clear, here's when we want to clear them, and here's how we're going to clear them, instead of focusing solely on those NFRs. And that has continued into this year, where we are seeing a lot of focus on what is the material weaknesses you plan to focus on this year for each component and that not only allows the components to really focus their efforts but it also allows the auditors to focus their audit efforts for those that are already that are will be receiving disclaimers of opinion
0: and yet you call out two specific material weaknesses that i think are directly related to the leadership issues that you just talked about there's one on there's a material weakness called out on dod wide oversight and monitoring and component level oversight and monitoring are are, th- are those different things from what you're talking about that the, w- which has been at least a sustained messaging from the department of the top, uh, department of defense leadership that the audit is important <laughs>
1: Yeah. So it's slightly different. Um, You know, when I'm talking about leadership, we're talking about tone at the top, maintaining that um, importance and support for the financial statements while also maintaining a balance and and allowing them to come up with some realistic milestones. But that oversight and monitoring um, starting at the component level, it's really, are they paying attention to how we're implementing the controls how we're pulling the financial statements together do they have that buy-in from not just the financial management side of the house but from the operation side of the house as well and are they all working together to really build the processes and internal controls that will help lead to that strong financial management from a dod perspective on that component are on the oversight and monitoring, we're really talking about the consolidation piece of the financial statements, and making sure that they understand what is in each of the components' financial statements, how and how that needs to be consolidated together. And you know, one of the things we talk about in the report was this: the ability to extend some of the milestones for getting financial statements out, and so both the navy and DISA, as i mentioned earlier were were a little bit past the november 15th um, reporting date and part of that was we we actually saw for the navy their oversight and monitoring actually picked up a very large error um, 9.3 billion dollar error in their financial statements and that was all because their their monitoring allowed them to to really work together and say wait a minute this site over here made it made a 9.3 billion dollar adjustment that shouldn't have been made and and, you know while that caused a lot of a lot of work uh from a DOD consolidated as they did reissue their um agency financial report in December just to adjust for that 9.3 billion dollar error it shows that the oversight and monitoring worked for the Navy um, and that they had that control in place. So the key here is to just keep the pressure, communicate the need, to make the internal controls not just on the financial side, but on the operational side, and not just do it for the audit, but to do it for good business processes and and hopefully making the department more efficient and um, have better operations.
0: As we start to wind down here, I want to talk a bit about how uh, this year's unusual circumstances surrounding COVID um, impacted the audit. I'm not sure that people realize the extent to which the audit process requires physical in-person site visits. I mean, it's not just auditors staring at a spreadsheet all day. How how much did COVID complicate the whole process this year, and, and how did the legions of audit teams work around it?
1: Yeah, obviously there were impacts as a result of the coronavirus or COVID-19 pandemic. The travel restrictions and quarantines alone really kept auditors from getting out there and, and doing some of the on-site work, um, such as counting parts, physically seeing buildings that are on the on the financial statements. Um, however, we, we actually were able to work around it um, quite a bit. The first thing I want to say is it's important to note that no opinion for the DoD or its components were contingent upon completing any in-person site visits, and all the necessary audit procedures were completed, especially for those that did receive clean opinions. Those that receive clean opinions, while some in- in-person site visits are required, they were able to accomplish those. In fiscal year 20, I think it's important to note that we did just as many site visits as we did in fiscal year 19. It was just that 500 of them were virtual, instead of using audio and video technology. And I think that that's you know an important aspect as we move forward is can we do that? And the question is, in some cases yes, in some cases no. There there are going to be times where auditors must be on the ground in order to get those that are receiving disclaimers of opinion past that. We need to be able to count. We need to be able to physically see things. Um, and you know, a lot of people will be like, just take the video technology wherever you need to take it, and maybe we can do it that way. Unfortunately, this is the Department of Defense and there are areas we cannot carry video and audio technology, and we, we have to be there to, to do that. And so in fiscal year 20, what we saw was not only did we do these virtual site visits, but the auditors also redirected some of their efforts on other aspects of accounting that were more conducive to the virtual environment, such as valuation of assets. Um, you know, we really, one of the things that we've really talked about in the last few reports is that there are certain assets that have not been properly valued. And that really includes a lot of the inventory, a lot of the large equipment and buildings. And so we're really starting to see the methodology that the department and its components are starting to put together to value those. And we were able to spend a lot more time on that in fiscal year 20. And it really did help many of the components um, develop better methodologies as we're moving forward to being able to value those those assets.
0: Are, are there clear examples where things that had to be done because of COVID this year make sense to carry forward some of those audio and video um, technologies, for example? And and do government audit standards typically accommodate that kind of thing, or is some of that going to have to be rethought?
1: You know, it actually, It really does accommodate that. Um, It it will be interesting to see how how much we can really take from fiscal year 20 and move forward with. I don't think you will see an overall change of everything's moving to virtual, but I think that it will be important that we can probably save a little bit of money on allowing some of the virtual to continue while having less people on site um and and that does save travel funds it saves time and people will be able to still maintain that knowledge it's also a good tool to allow for continued knowledge development um, from some of the the associates at the ipa firms or new auditors um, here at the oig we can allow them to sit in virtually and learn the environment without automatically sending them um, to to a location. But definitely there were lessons learned that we can carry forward. There are going to be areas where we can't carry things forward. Um, You know, I think of the classified environment. We cannot carry this kind of thing forward into a classified environment. It's very difficult to carry this forward when we're talking about counting munition or any major uh, weapon system that we work with. So it's also very difficult when we're talking about going into a contractor location such as Lockheed or Boeing, uh, where we have a lot of parts. Um, the, the virtual environment doesn't work as well there.
0: Carmen Malone is the deputy DOD assistant inspector general for audit. We'll come back and wrap up our conversation on DOD's 2020 financial statement audit in just a few minutes. This is On DoD, on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Surbin. Back on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Just a few minutes left with Carmen Malone from the DOD Inspector General's office. She is the Deputy Assistant Inspector General for audit as we discuss DOD's 2020 financial statement audit. One more thing here. Uh, we, we, we've, we've talked about a couple of the material weaknesses. We definitely can't do all 26 in this setting. But I did want to raise one more, which is real property, just because there's been some news around that in the last few days gao just took real property dod real property property off of its high risk list for 2021 totally understand there's very different standards for gao high risk versus an audit material weakness but they're seeing progress in that area i'm wondering if the audit is showing progress in that area too
1: we actually did see some progress um in fiscal year 20 it was limited due to the pandemic uh it, it that that really impacted the department's ability to get out there and make sure they have everything on their books as well as the auditor's ability to get out there and confirm what we really saw in fiscal year 20 was the movement of property to what we call the installation host and in that is the installation host is the per is the service that runs the base or owns the base and so this is going to allow the department to really focus all of its property on just a few financial statements and it allows them to do a little bit more on the analytics to make sure that buildings are not double counted. Um, So if it's it, if I want to give an example. So if I'm looking at Fort Bragg, anything in Fort Bragg's uh, fence line is now considered part of the Army's. Real property. It will be on their books, regardless of whether it's a DLA building or a Navy building, it's staying on the Army's books. And this really allows for that. We're not duplicating. Where in prior years, if it was a Navy building on Fort Bragg, the Navy may have it recorded, but somehow it could have gotten included on the Army's books as well. And we're starting to see, I I believe we saw a, a huge decrease in. Army real property that was actually duplicated on their financial statements.
0: That's an interesting example. How does that sort of thing work with a joint base?
1: <laughs> we have the same question. It is. <laughs> <laughs> they do decide that up front. And at that point, it is that entities, that component's responsibility. As of right now, they, they have those agreements in place.
0: Um, as we we wrap up here, Carmen, I, I want to kind of take us back to where we started with big picture issues. You're, you're I think, careful to say in the report that this is going to be a, a long term effort, and I don't think anybody's willing to guess how many years it's going to take. But, but what 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 are the most important things for the department to be focusing on during that long term e- effort? Because I think one of the things you're pointing to here is this: this really can't just be audit for audit's sake.
1: Absolutely. It- we should not do anything just for audit's sake. As we look forward, and, I, and I've used this term quite frequently, we will always be looking for the strong, sustainable, DOD-wide processes and internal controls, because that's not only gonna help lead to that clean audit opinion, but it is ultimately going to make the department more efficient and improve their operations. Um, as we look into fiscal year 21, I think what we will be looking at is any improvement on inventory, real property, as well as the oversight and monitoring piece. Um, those are areas that I know are are key to the department, and areas that I think that they put a lot of um, resources towards improving. So, the other the other last aspect as we move is is looking for a looking for components who'll have um, clean opinions or moving towards clean opinions in fiscal year 21 and making sure that it's a repeatable process as we move forward.
0: Carmen Malone is the Deputy Assistant DoD Inspector General for Audit. She joined us today to talk about the new report from the DoD OIG, breaking down the DoD 2020 Financial Statement Audit in plain language. We will post a link to that report at federalnewsnetwork.com. And if you missed any of this discussion, we'll post this week's full show, as always, at federalnewsnetwork.com slash on DoD. Also find us in podcast form. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podcast One, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's it for this week's edition of On DoD. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. I'm Jared Serby. So long.
1: You've been listening to On DoD on Federal News Network. Tune in Wednesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.